0: From the Hatterberg Catechism, let's read together, Lord's Day 39, page 555 of your book of praise. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I shall honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, This afternoon, we deal with the fifth commandment, which teaches children to honor and obey their parents. For children and young people, this is probably one of the least liked commandments. The general commandment to honor your father and mother is okay. But once we learn that this requires us to obey our parents and to submit to them, we struggle. It's hard to listen to what our parents tell us to do, isn't it, kids? How many of you young people find it easy to submit to the instruction and the discipline of your parents? It's easy for us to see the fifth commandment as being restrictive. Our sinful human nature doesn't like being told what to do. As kids, we grumble when mom or dad assigns chores for us to do. We're experts at the that's-not-fair arguments, feeling like our parents are showing favoritism to our siblings while they're picking on us. As young people, we want to be independent. We don't like the restrictions our parents put on us. It's hard for each one of us to submit to the authorities God places over us, whether that be our parents teachers, elders, or our governments. We need to remember that God's commandments are more than just rules to live by. God has given us his commandments for our benefit. In keeping them, there is great reward. Not only that, but God's commandments teach us something about himself. For example, in Forbidding Murder... God teaches us that he is a God of life. In commanding us not to steal, God teaches us that he is a bountiful God who loves to give good gifts to his children. There is a similar lesson that we can learn from the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is about submitting ourselves to those whom God has put in authority over us. In this commandment, God reveals something profound about himself. It is that God is sovereign. God is Lord and King over all. He rules over the entire universe. He holds each of our lives in his hands. As the creator of all of mankind, God requires all people to submit to him. We know that in this dark world, many people refuse to do that. The Bible is clear that it's only on the final day, when Christ returns, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus as Lord and King. Yet for us, God's covenant people, the Lord teaches us how to respond to the grace that he has shown us in Jesus Christ. In the Ten Commandments, that God makes clear how we are to live thankful lives for his redeeming work. In the Fifth Commandment, the Lord teaches us that he is sovereign, that each of us need to submit our hearts and lives to him. The practical way in which God teaches us this is by commanding children to obey their parents. By extension, this commandment teaches each one of us to submit with due obedience to the authorities that God has placed over us. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. The Lord's command for children to honor their parents is foundational for life. We're going to consider the task of parents, the calling of children, and the blessing of God. Many mammals raise their young and teach them to be independent in a relatively short period of time. Cows will raise a batch, a new batch of calves each year. Dogs will often have another litter each year. Some mammals take a little longer to raise their young. Orangutans may take up to seven years before they leave their mom's care. And elephants can live in their family group for 10 to 15 years. But they are exceptions to the rule. Most animals reach adulthood within a few years. There is something that distinguishes mankind from the rest of the creatures God has made. God created Adam from out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Unlike the animals, God created us with both a body and a soul. We are both material and spiritual beings. God made us in his image, in his likeness. We were created good, righteous, and holy, like God is. We were given the charge to rule over the rest of all God's creatures. Animals have been created with certain innate abilities. In many cases, their parents also provide care and protection and teach them how to be independent. Yet with human beings, this is raised to a completely different level. Children are physically dependent on their parents. They rely on them to provide food and drink, shelter and clothing. But children need much more than that. They need instruction and discipline to develop the gifts that God has given them. They need love and care in order to thrive And to succeed in life. You see, beloved, we are very different from all the other creatures that God has made. God created us with a mind to think and reason. We have the ability to remember the past and to learn from it. We can imagine things that we've never personally experienced. We can develop plans and execute them. We can create different things. We have the ability to communicate a wealth of information, to share our thoughts and our feelings with others. We can record our thoughts so that people may read or listen to them even hundreds of years later. God has given us a conscience. We have the ability to know the difference between right and wrong and to make choices about whether to do good or evil. God created us to be able to know him. By nature, we are all inclined to worship someone or something. God made us in his image so that we could know him and love him and enjoy him and worship him. He made us so that we can have a relationship with him that will last forever. It's interesting to note the high opinion that God has of mankind. David writes in Psalm 139 about how God formed his inward parts and knitted them together in his mother's womb. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's striking to see God's evaluation of man's abilities when all the peoples of the earth banded together to build the Tower of Babel. The Lord said, Behold, there are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. God has gifted mankind with incredible capabilities. Yet for these abilities to be used to God's glory, and for the benefit of our fellow man, children need the nurture and the care of parents as they grow up. You see, beloved, by nature, our heart's inclination is to be selfish and self-seeking. That's why God tasked parents to bring up their children in the fear of his name. Children need to learn the right perspective on life. In order for them to develop and to use their God given talents. It is striking to see how, right from the beginning of his relationship with them, God commanded the Israelites to teach their children about him. After Israel had languished in Egypt for 400 years, the Lord came to their aid to deliver them from the slavery of Pharaoh. As God rescued his people from bondage, he taught them about who he was. At the same time, he tasked them to pass on what they learned to their children. Before the Lord sent the eighth plague on the Egyptians, he spoke these words to Moses. He said, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Note how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Moses and all the Israelite parents would have opportunity to tell their children about the wondrous way in, God, in which God showed forth His power, in which He delivered them from slavery. We see something similar in Exodus 12. On the night of the Passover, the Lord told the people to slaughter a lamb, to spread its blood on the door frames of their homes. God commanded the Israelites to repeat this ritual each year when they came to the promised land. Do you know why they were commanded to do that? It was so that when their children asked, what do you mean by this service? Parents would have the opportunity to explain. They could speak about how God punished the Egyptians for killing the baby boys of the Israelites by drowning them in the Nile. God's final plague on Egypt was the killing of all the firstborn of man and beast in Egypt. Yet the marvelous thing was that by putting blood on the frames of their doorposts, the angel of death passed over the Israelite homes. He did not kill God's firstborn of the man and of the animals. The Passover feast gave parents an opportunity to tell their children about the mighty deeds of salvation. This afternoon we read together from Exodus 13. In this passage, the Lord commands His people to observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For seven days they were required to purge all yeast from their homes To eat bread made without rising. Now naturally, children would ask about why they had to eat this hard and lumpy bread. And parents could explain about how they left Egypt in haste. They did not have time to allow their bread to rise. It was another opportunity to speak of God's mighty works of deliverance. To train their children to know and to love God. Exodus 13 also speaks about the consecration of the firstborn of both man and animal to the Lord. Because the Lord had spared Israel's firstborn, throughout their generations the Israelites were commanded to dedicate their firstborn sons and animals to God. And when their children asked for an explanation, their parents were to tell them about how God brought about their final deliverance from Egypt by killing Pharaoh. And all his people's firstborn. In response to God's goodness, they now devoted their firstborn to God. The animals were to be sacrificed as offerings. Sons were to serve at the tabernacle or temple. In later years, when the Lord appointed the tribe of Levi as priests and temple servants, parents were required to pay money to redeem their firstborn from this service. Just like the Israelites of long ago, we as parents have the task of raising our children in the fear of the Lord. In Ephesians 6, Paul commands us to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, beloved, our responsibility to our children goes beyond providing them with food to eat and clothes to wear. It goes beyond sending them to school or taking them with us to church. We, as fathers and mothers, have the God-given responsibility of teaching them, not just about how to survive life in this world, but about how to live as faithful and fruitful children of God. One of the ways that we do that is by making the Bible an open book. In our homes, by reading from it at mealtimes and having discussions about it. Yet the Bible needs to be more than a dry and dusty book that comes out periodically but has no connection to daily life. Through it, we need to teach our children about the mighty deeds of God. We celebrate our Christian feast days. Do we explain to our children what Christmas and Easter and Ascension Day and Pentecost are all about? Do we take the time to tell our children why we celebrate the Lord's Supper? Do we explain God's gracious promises when we witness someone's baptism? What happens, beloved, when you experience a storm? with thunder and lightning. Do we hide away in fear? Or do we use it as an opportunity to speak about God's mighty power in creation? What do we say when we see a gorgeous rainbow? Do we just comment on how pretty it is? Or do we use the opportunity to speak about how God made a covenant with mankind Never to destroy the earth by means of a flood again. What are your responses to COVID 19, both from a health and from an economic perspective? Do your children experience you as being stressed or anxious or worried? Or do you use the opportunity to speak about God's providence? God's providence is a mighty power by which he rules over all things. God allowed this virus to form and to spread. We know that many have lost their lives due to complications from this virus that is causing a huge disruption to our economy. But are we confident our lives are in God's hands? teaching our children that this too comes from God's fatherly hand and that he will use it for our benefit. Parents, are you training your children to walk in God's ways? Children by nature are self-focused. For them, life is all about their needs and their desires. If left to themselves, children will do what pleases them. They need to be taught Obedience, they need training, they need moms and dads to set limits and to say no. Obedience not to just some arbitrary rule set by mom and dad, but they need to know what pleases God. They need to learn to live in love and harmony with their siblings and with their friends It doesn't happen by itself. Children need the instruction and discipline of parents who love them to shepherd their hearts, to guide them in God's ways. Brings us to our second point, and we'll consider the calling of children. The fifth commandment is actually addressed to children. Children. It says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. When our catechism explains this commandment, it says that I am to show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline. And also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it's God's will to govern us by their hand. The first thing that we learn from this is the attitude that children need to have toward their parents. We are to honor our parents, to respect them. Sometimes that's hard. There's times when children feel like their parents are being unreasonable. There's times when dads and moms get frustrated and they yell at their kids, when they say and do things that they later regret. Parenting is a difficult task. Parents make lots of mistakes along the way. Yet God commands you, boys and girls, young people, to honor your parents. Do you know what it means to honor your father and your mother? Means that you need to obey them. Boys and girls, do you listen to your parents? Do you do what they tell you to do the first time? Even if they're telling you to do a chore you don't feel like doing, or if they're telling you to get ready for bed when you feel like staying up, obedience is hard. It often requires us to do things we'd rather not do. Do you know why it's so important to learn obedience? Family life is the training ground for the rest of life. If you don't learn to submit to your parents, how will you submit to your teachers, or to your boss, or to the police, or to the government? if you rebel against doing what your parents tell you to do, how you learn to submit to the other authorities in your life? Think about it for a moment. How well do rebels function in our society? If you regularly don't show up for work, your boss will fire you. If you disobey the law, eventually you'll get caught. You'll be fined or jailed. But you know what's infinitely worse than all of that? If you don't li- learn to listen to your mom and your dad and to do what they tell you to do, you will not learn to submit your life to God. Learning to honor and obey our parents is foundational for life. For God uses them to teach us to submit our hearts and our lives to Him. God is the ultimate authority. He is the one who gives authority to parents, to teachers, to elders, and to government officials. But ultimately, God is sovereign. He rules over all. The Father has given His Son, Jesus Christ, the honored position of being Lord of lords and King of kings. One day, every person who ever lived will bow the knee and will acknowledge Jesus Christ as King. Beloved, your Savior knows how hard it can be to submit to the authority of another. When Jesus was a boy, He was misunderstood by His parents They scolded him for remaining in Jerusalem after the feast. Yet Luke tells us that Jesus was submissive to them. Jesus came into this world to do the will of his heavenly father. He knew that that involved much suffering that would end in his crucifixion. Jesus struggled with that so much that he sweat blood while praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Hebrews 5, verse 8 teaches us that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Boys and girls, young people, the Bible teaches us that we are to submit ourselves with due obedience to those whom God has put an authority over us. Just like the Lord Jesus, we have to learn obedience, respecting Honoring and obeying our parents, our teachers, our bosses is hard work. It is really difficult to submit to the will of another. We were created with our own minds and hearts and desires. We feel like it's our right to make our own decisions in life, to run life how we think we should. As we grow up, there's a desire to be independent. We think our parents are interfering when they ask us where we're going and what we're doing. We don't really appreciate it when they pry into what we consider our personal lives. We don't want to answer questions about who we're hanging out with or how we're spending our money. We have an MYOB attitude. We want our parents to mind their own business. But that's exactly the issue. Your life and well-being are your parents' business. Your parents have made vows before God at your baptizing, promising to instruct you in the Lord's ways. Your parents have invested countless hours of tender, loving care into your life. They know you better than almost anyone else. They understand your character and personality because very often it reflects their own. If there's anyone cheering for you in life, it's your parents. Of all people, they most want to see you succeed in life. More than anything else, they want you to learn to love and serve the Lord because that's the way of life. We deal with this in our final point, the blessing of God. The fifth commandment involves more than just the command, honor your father and your mother. It also involves a promise, that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Paul reiterates the promise of the fifth commandment in our reading from Ephesians 6. He notes this is the first commandment with a promise. Paul restates the promise in this way. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. God promises blessings and a long life to those who honor father and mother. Why? What's the connection? Well, there's a close link between obedience to authority and a good life, and rebellion and death. It's not really all that hard to understand. Law-abiding citizens don't need to be afraid of the police. But those involved in a life of crime are always looking over their shoulder, wondering if they're going to get caught. This applies all the more in our relationship with the Lord. Remember the prologue to the Ten Commandments. The Lord says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, In Jesus Christ, God has delivered us from our sins and from the mastery of Satan. He wants us to live in the freedom that he has provided for us. That's why God gives us the Ten Commandments. They teach us how to live in good relationships with the Lord and with our neighbor. By honoring and obeying God's commands, our lives will be blessed. So what blessings result from a life of obedience to those whom God has placed in authority over us? We have peace with God. We experience the joy of living in the right relationship with Him. We may share in a living hope of partaking in everlasting life. We also develop and enjoy good relationships with those around us. It's wonderful to enjoy a harmonious and happy family life, where parents and children can share their joys and struggles together, where we can support one another as we walk on the way everlasting. Contrast that with the life of those who disobey and rebel against those in authority over them. We may chart our own direction in life, make our own decisions, and think we can live an independent life. But usually, beloved, that's a mask for giving in to the temptations of this world and the sinful desires of the flesh. Although we may not realize it, by rebelling, we're often falling back into the slavery of sin and Satan. And when we do... Our lives so often spiral downward. We get caught in the unhappiness that comes from sinful ways. So we see, beloved, how the Lord's command for children to honor their parents is foundational for life. Family life is the training ground for the rest of life. Learning to honor and obey dad and mom teaches us how to function well in the rest of our lives. God calls us to train our children to walk in his ways. As parents, let let us heed that calling. Let's be intentional in our parenting task. Let's bring up our children in the fear of the Lord. For then, under God's blessing, they will learn to walk with him their whole lives. Then we may together share the blessings of God both in this life and in the life to come. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing together from Psalm 128.